Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special edition of Popcorn and Compliance. As you know from prior episodes, Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative, and I are huge MCU fans. So we've decided to do the MCU movie oeuvre. That's right. We're going to do all of the MCU movies in this special podcast series. Over the series, we will take a look at the storylines, some of the cookies and other cool things. We'll describe the great action scenes from each um, episode, and then we'll take a look at issues raised by each episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will take things from the societal angle, from the social justice angle, from the MCU angle, and perhaps even from the compliance angle. But if you're an MCU fan or you're a compliance fan, I know you'll enjoy. In this episode, Megan and I take up Spider-Man Homecoming. And if you haven't done so, please check out one or more of the first 17 Popcorn and Compliance, the Marvel Cinematic Universe on Popcorn and Compliance, all on the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special live recording of Popcorn and Compliance, the MCU Universe. Uh, We are back with our continuing challenge, which is to review the entire MCU. Why? Well, number one, it's there. Two, uh, along with my co-host, Megan Doherty, uh, we're both MCU Uber fans and Uber geeks. So we're going to continue our exploration in chronological order and not by release date. Today, we are continuing with Spider-Man Homecoming. So I'm Tom Fox, the uh, founder of the Compliance Podcast Network and the voice of compliance. And I'm Megan Doherty, co-founder of One Stone Creative and host of the business podcast Blueprint Show. And uh, I was pretty excited to watch Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, Tom, I hadn't seen any of the uh, kind of Spider-Man movies in the MCU universe. Um, I hadn't been a big Spider-Man fan since I was you know, in grade four, I think. I do have a good story about that, though. Um, so what did you think of uh, this new Tom Holland, Peter Parker, Spider-Man iteration? Uh, well, I absolutely loved it. Uh, Tom Holland is great, uh, although I thought uh, Tobey Maguire uh, was great. Um, the um, You know, I hate watching movies about teen angst because <laughs> then I have to think about all the teen angst I had. And uh, he's got a lot of teen angst. Um, girls himself is he doesn't have parents, so he's got Aunt May. Um, he's got his friends. He's trying to figure out what he wants to do, where he wants to go to college. He's trying to keep good grades. Uh, just a lot of stuff going on. Um, the movie uh, was a, it was great. The action was great. The scenes were great. Mm-hmm. The Washington Monument was great. Um, the interplay between he and Liz, his uh, putative girlfriend, <laughs> were great. Uh, MJ was great. Uh, I liked MJ a lot. In this. Liked MJ a lot. Yeah. So um, 
uh, it was just a ton of fun. And um, even with um, um, Andrew Garfield was also played Spider-Man and I enjoyed him as well. Um, one of the difficulties that I think they really handled well was the story is so well known about how he becomes Spider-Man. And uh, you mentioned the fourth grade. Well, I can remember the 60s cartoon <laughs> series and we all watched that and um, probably can still sing the theme song. Oh, but yeah, the, he's got radioactive blood. That's he's radioactive <laughs> blood. Uh, but the fight scenes he has with the bullies at school, uh, they're all pretty well-known tropes in the Spider-Man uh backstory and we really didn't have to go through all of that here mm -hmm. uh we didn't have to go through um the uh the death of his uncle uh which is always a pretty uh poignant moment in any any spider-man movie or comic book um <laughs> and uh so i thought they uh they were able to handle that kind of dropped him mid mid universe into the um into the mcu so what were your initial thoughts well i mean the first was a a, a lovely hit of nostalgia um, because, I mean, I, I didn't catch the original run of the 1960s Spider-Man, of course, but when I was in grade four or five, um, after school, uh, if my dad got home from work soon enough, we could catch a double feature at five o'clock of the 1960s Spider-Man, then the Adam West 1960s Batman. And we would do that every day he could get home in time before dinner. <laughs> so like, it, 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 I thought they really captured, especially some of, some of the way Spider-Man moved really kind of it, it hit me like that old animation style uh, and the way he would land on things and just the the type of web slinging he was doing uh, so I, I loved that and it just it made me feel good and the very opening did you catch that redo of the theme song that they did it was sounded yes. so good updated like that so that that made me super happy um, and as you know a teenage superhero um, I like that they made him kind of kind of goofy and dorky and unsure but like ultimately just trying to, to find his way because Often you get teenage superheroes and they're way too mature and they're way too competent and they they like they're just like grim dark and I thought I liked the lighthearted goofiness of Peter Parker who really wants to do a good job he's just not quite sure about what to do a good job for or why or or to, who to impress I, I thought it was lovely um, another great villain uh, in this movie uh, the the vulture uh, you know who had such a sympathetic origin story, like so many of the villains in, uh, in the MCU, you know, contractor gets a good government job. Government comes in and just stomps on his business, completely ruining him. That's a really relatable thing. And you know, how he got into a life of petty crime was, was totally understandable. Of course, he got much more evil. Um, but I like the ambiguity around the villain. Um, and of course his relationship with Tony Stark, my heart, <laughs> my heart, <laughs> So I have to say I had some ambivalence about that because it's clear, you know, Tony wants to do this. He feels like he needs to do it, but he also has no clue how to do it. Like, like be a, be a mentor kind of, yeah. kind of dad figure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, some of the dialogue I thought where he, Tony plays clearly, uh, I don't want to say an adult, but someone older than Peter Parker, but it's the same sort of, um, witty repartee that he tries to lay on him. And sometimes I don't think Peter Parker or a teenager would really understand what he was saying or why he was doing, uh, like why he took the suit away, why if he was given the suit, 
Couldn't he try to be a uh, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, if not a superhero, uh, with uh, particularly around the action on the uh, Staten Island Ferry? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe it's Tony has the bigger picture in mind and, and Spider-Man really doesn't. But um, really, uh, I was kind of ambivalent all that. It's Tony's trying. He just, just doesn't have a clue. And uh, so well, he's ha- happy to take on a lot of the day-to-day management of, of Spider-Man, right? Like he doesn't merit a lot of Tony Stark's, St- Tony Stark's attention. He gets he gets the assistant's attention, <laughs> right? And uh, you know, Happy really wants to have nothing to do with him, and uh, so that's another point of frustration for uh, Peter Parker. Because mm-hmm. he's, um, I mean, he said he was like a fifteen-year-old boy, right? And I remember, I think, being in middle school, and my uncle told me, uh, "Megan, there, there is no creature in on Earth more unpleasant and disgusting than a fifteen-year-old boy." <laughs> and, and looking back, maybe as a as a twelve-year-old girl, that might have been true. But like looking back, oh, he's so well-meaning. He's trying so hard. <laughs> he wants to be good, but he's a fifteen-year-old boy, and as Aunt May says, he smells bad. Sometimes he's just gotta gotta be where he's at. It's like when my daughter was thirteen and broke up with her fourteen-year-old boyfriend because he was quote emotionally immature. My response was, "Honey, he's fourteen. He has peaked. It don't get no better than that for boys." Uh, and she didn't quite understand what grasp what I was trying to tell her. Nevertheless, uh, I think uh, you're onto something. The other thing that took me a while to get used to, I've come around because she's such a great actress as Aunt May. Because in every other iteration, Aunt May is much more matronly. Aunt May is not hot. And if there is one thing Marisa Tomei is, it is hot. And she's been hot for a long time. I don't know how old she is now, but she is still hot. Uh, They make reference to her hotness uh, throughout this series. Um, But she's a great actress, so she pulls it off with a plum. And uh, so that's an interesting kind of change as well. Yeah, and I think, I I guess, I mean, I I agree. I think it was great they didn't go deep into the backstory of, you know, how he became, got the spider bite and the the death of Uncle Ben. Um, I I liked Aunt May. I liked that she was a little bit younger and a little more relatable um, to to Peter and and his friends. And I I don't know, maybe Aunt stuff is is hitting me hard. This is some news. I just found out I'm going to be Aunt this fall, thrice over. So anything about ants, I'm very into right now. (laughs) But uh, I, I... I like the way she was able to kind of meet Peter at his level. And of course the very, the end reveal where she catches him <laughs> putting on the outfit is just like, what? No, was not having a teenage boy in my house that I'm responsible for enough. What do I have to deal with now? Was, I just think a great, a great way to frame that. Right. Um, so, you know, the action once again was fabulous. Uh, the flying scenes uh, with the villain were great. Um, Stark Tower, uh, mm-hmm. I mentioned the Washington Monument. Uh, I mean, I got queasy watching that scene. Uh, one, where he climbs up the Washington Monument. Two, when he gets to the top and he looks over, I had to look away uh, <laughs> just from that. Uh, it was just uh, really well done. When the helicopter flies up next to it, I, I assume, <clears throat> obviously they had to get permission to do that, but it was really well done and just action-packed kind of throughout. I didn't actually know that the Washington Monument, you could go inside of it. I thought it was just the big pole. <laughs> I didn't realize how big it was. <laughs> I didn't and know it was a tourist attraction that you could actually ride up and down, like the Statue of Liberty. 
You Canadians have led such a sheltered life. <laughs> so sheltered. I thought it was a big stick in the ground. Okay. <laughs> that too, that too. But um, there was even a nod to uh, when uh, I think MJ asked, was it built with slave labor and the park ranger kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. yeah so I thought that was a, a nice touch I had not seen before. Well, were there any Easter eggs in this that uh, you particularly liked, Megan? Um, I got, uh, I had a couple of them. Um, I think my absolute favorite of all of them was the Captain America school videos that they are watching in the gym and in detention. <laughs> 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 and I watched them, and like, they're, they're funny, and they're just exactly the right tone. But can you imagine how much the other Avengers must have ragged him on that for? Oh, absolutely brutal. And uh, one little one I thought was great, and this was towards uh, the end when Happy is getting the plane loaded up right before the final in-air boss fight scene. Uh, and Happy's talking about the things that they're packing up, and there was uh, the R&D, the new tech that they were developing for Thor, but also Captain America, even though they were in a fight. And I thought that was great. So even though you know the Avengers are currently split when this is taking place, um, you know Iron Man is still making sure that everyone is going to have the latest tech when they inevitably get back together. Um, so I, I love that. Uh, and let's see, I, I, just a little shout out to Ned, the best friend, uh, was I think uh, as, as a generally behind the scenes person uh, who, who worked you know behind the scenes of podcasting and other things, like that desire to be the guy in the chair pulling the strings, making it happen. When he finally got that at the end, guy in the chair, that I felt that in my soul. That was he's a great best friend, super friendly, uh, and so supportive. What about, what about some of you? Did you have good cookies that you liked? We're going to take a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back with more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, one of them was prior to the movie, uh, there was an announcement that one of my favorite actresses, Jennifer Conley, was yes. going to be in the movie. Well, her role was very different than what I had expected, uh, but because her role was the uh, call a, a girl or woman or an AI called Karen, but she was the uh, AI assistant to Peter mm -hmm. once he gets the upgraded suit. So I thought that was uh, pretty cool. I, I I heartily agree with you on the Captain American videos. They were so over the top and they were so ham-fisted and they were absolutely, you know, Cap. That's exactly how he is and it's exactly how he talks. Uh, the Stan Lee um, mm -hmm. cameo was very cool. The tech in this, uh, you, you saw the upgrades of Peter's suit and we saw, I think, what was one reference to the iron spider that we'll see probably down the road. Uh, but he had some really cool upgrades uh, to his suit, particularly uh, that we explored when he was inside the vault uh, in uh, Baltimore, I think, but um, <clears throat> when he was outside Washington uh, chasing the vulture, mm -hmm. the vulture was extremely cool. Um, I don't know why, but I had forgotten that uh, that character uh, was Liz's dad. 
And it was so, a great twist. Really yeah, good twist. Totally that, that caught really me by was. surprise. That really was. And, uh, but you know, we saw his humanity because when he drops him off and he says he's going to give him the dad talk, he says, I'll give you a pass on this one, kid, because mm-hmm. you took my daughter to her prom. So show her a good time and, you know, leave me alone and we'll, we'll be square. Of course, we knew that wasn't going to happen, but uh, I thought that was a, a really nice twist that showing that the vulture was basically a, a decent human, uh, even if he had been turned uh, into this life of crime because of <clears throat> the evil government and evil Tony Stark. Uh, the uh, damaged uh, Stark Tower uh, mm-hmm. really wasn't a cookie or an Easter egg. It was, you know, a part of uh, the show. But that was very cool to see that um, after the Battle of New York. Um, Ned uh, Ned beating up uh, one of the bad guys I thought was pretty cool um, as well. And then the um, the scene at the homecoming where he goes in the library to use the computers and the teacher comes in and, and asks him what he's doing. And he's like, ah, watching porn. Like, yeah. Rots of ruck with that in a public library, kid. They have things called filters for that. But uh, nevertheless, it was it was a great line because that's what you would expect a teenage boy to be doing in the dark. Yeah, and he's just like, what is going to be plausible and also make her not look at my screens? <laughs> So true, so true. Um, this uh, this movie, it, it, the other thing I thought, it's really not a cookie, Megan, but in terms of we, uh, you know, I hit upon the other actors who played Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Those Both of those had standalone series. Tobey had mm-hmm. a three-movie deal or three-movie package of Spider-Man, and Andrew had two. Um, and so we're... I was really intrigued and I thought they pulled it off well, how they kind of dropped into the middle of the Spider-Man story. So we didn't have to go through the whole origin story again and picked it up in a way that added some nuance, added some depth and, and breadth and scope, but also made it fresh and new. And the other thing I would have to say about Tom Holland, I think he was an amateur gymnast yep. before he became an actor and that it, it shows and he can do moves and make spins and leaps that the normal human being can't, even with computer-generated <laughs> animation. And so that brings a whole new level of physicality um, to this performance. It's not in terms of dance, but it's really in terms of gymnastics, uh, uh, the spins he does and the things he does. And, and so I thought that was a really underappreciated part of his performance as well. No, I'd agree. And I think the only thing I'd add to that is just the ongoing relationship between uh, Tony Stark and Peter Parker. Uh, They're both really flailing. They're kind of reaching out to have this kind of connection. They both feel a lack in their lives, I think, and they can't quite identify it and they can't quite be open about what they're looking for in each other. But they're finding it and it's delightful. Um, And and I think some of their their off-screen interviews together, too. Hilarious. The chemistry is real. So how, uh, what did you think of the, uh, the end when um, Tony invites him to join the Avengers, to move upstate to New York, offers him the uh, hypertech suit, uh, and then uh, Peter Parker's response? I thought that was great. 
Um, I, I thought, you know, it was, uh, I liked it on a couple of reasons. I mean, I like that Peter said no. And he's like, no, I've actually got to do this, you know, maybe graduating high school thing, having a life, being with my friends, being with my family. And I like that Tony Stark accepted that um, and totally was like, oh, yeah, you were right. This was a test. It was not real. And you've just passed. Good job. Go go have good life, even though it was 100 percent real. And he completely expected Peter Parker to d- drop everything and become an Avenger. Uh, I, I thought it was a nice little bit of character growth for both of them. Uh, they were both becoming a little bit more adult. Um, and and Tony like realized right away that Peter was making a better choice for his own life, uh, even if he would immediately get in trouble with Pepper. Uh, so I, I really liked it. What about you? So I, actually, I went a little bit different direction because I agree with everything you said, but I thought it was almost an homage to the origins of Spider-Man as not su- not Avenger superhero, but your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And that he said, you know, Brooklyn needs me. And um, that uh, he was going to go back and protect his home. Um, so I really appreciate it from that. Uh, but I have to agree with everything you said. And certainly a moment of, of growth for uh, Peter Parker which led to the next scene, which uh, it's like, oh, yeah, I've been carrying this around for a while. <laughs> what had Happy been carrying around for a while that Tony whips out uh, t- to Pepper? Uh, I mean, it's maybe not every woman's dream engagement. <laughs> <laughs> I think deep down she has a strong respect for a good PR play. <laughs> That is possibly the most important consideration. <laughs> well, well done. Well done. So, uh, Tony, uh, there's a press conference set up to uh, announce Peter Parker joining the uh, Spider-Man, joining the Avengers. That bit of news doesn't come to pass. So uh, he proposes to Pepper instead, and I guess they go off to uh, announce their engagement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good times. Well, I think I think this was a winner. Um, it was another one of those ones I didn't expect to like nearly as much as I did. Um, uh, I didn't love the last two kind of reboots of Spider-Man, um, not nearly as much as I love like the 1960s cartoon, uh, which was phenomenal. Uh, but I, I'll maybe I just like Tom Holland and I like the the, the kind of quippy banter um, that he does so well. But I, I thought this was a great movie. I am invested enough in the characters. I'm looking forward to the next ones. Um, and obviously kind of what they're setting up here for the end of MCU phase one, uh, which we'll get into in a little while, Infinity Wars Endgame. Uh, it just, I like these people enough to really care what's going to happen to them. So uh, I'd like to say a few words about MJ. Please do. Because uh, I found her very intriguing. In the comic books, in the cartoon, in the first two iterations of Spider-Man, MJ is the love interest mm-hmm. or crush interest probably would be the better way to phrase it. <laughs> Liz plays that in this movie. Uh, MJ is played by Zendaya, I think mm-hmm. is her name. Uh, and I think she's a singer or actress. Uh, nevertheless, uh, I thought it was an inspired choice. And great. I'm not sure if she was acting or that's the way she is, but it doesn't matter because it was a great role. And she really stands apart and above Everyone else, part of it, I think, is by choice. Part of it, I think, is by her. She must have a 200 uh, IQ. Um, <laughs> this smarter than everyone else. Uh, and literally, she she says more dialogue in raising an eyebrow than mm-hmm. most 30-year actors 
can do. It was really amazing what she could do. And in the few scenes she was, she was in and, and I think she takes over that love interest, crush interest role, uh, in the next, uh, iterations of Spider-Man with, uh, uh, this version of Peter Parker, but I really enjoyed her role. Uh, she really blossomed throughout the movie. Uh, so I wanted to say a few words about MJ as well. I love that she had that kind of, um, you know, the, the, the sort of the, the black and white morality that so often comes with being a 15 year old, um, but backed up by really good research and really, really intelligent, as you say. Um, and, and I love that they're setting it up to be a relationship that's based out of friendship rather than, uh, you know, just teenage infatuation. I think that that's going to make it a much more satisfying um, story to unfold. Well, Megan, uh, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I hope our listeners will uh, join us again. I'm Tom Fox, uh, the uh, voice of compliance. And I'm Megan Doherty, and I look forward to meeting you next time when we are talking about uh, Doctor Strange, which I think is one of your favorites of all time. Yes. (laughs) Till then. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Popcorn and Compliance, the Marvel Cinematic Universe series. I hope you'll join Megan and I again next week where we take up one of our favorite films, The Black Panther. This special series is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. If you love all things Marvel Cinematic Universe and you'd like to join Megan and I, we'd like to invite you to uh, contact us and perhaps come on the podcast. It's a ton of fun. Uh, You get to rewatch some great movies, and then you get to talk about them on a podcast. So if you have any interest in doing so, please email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.